The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Something else we got mentioned often the first hour in our afternoon update was this uh, case before the International uh, Court of Justice, South African lawyers uh, setting out uh, their case against Israel, accusing them of genocide. Shona Murray, the Europe correspondent with Euronews, is with me now. Shona, what more can you tell us? Well, that's that's exactly it, Kieran. Uh, there's three hours of oral hearings or oral arguments today from South Africa, and three hours tomorrow from Israel. So South Africa laid out why it believes Israel is in breach of the Genocide Convention, not just committing genocide because a, a, a judgment on that could take years, but is currently engaging in genocidal conduct, a genocidal intent, the failure to prevent genocide under the obligations of the uh, Genocide Convention. And it's also arguing that the court itself has jurisdiction to make a decision on this. And we heard uh, evidence of the excessive number of deaths as the court, uh, as the South Africans described, 23,000 people 70% of whom are women and children, 7,000 people under the rubble. We heard about um, a child, uh, 10 children a day will have one or both of their limbs um, removed, amputated, often without anaesthetics. We talked. We heard about a violence uh, against the population, against um, reproductive rights of women, because so many women, who, if they have complications in their pregnancy, they don't have access to this medical uh, support. Often that leads to the death of the baby. We've heard about the killings of children, the occupations of the hospitals. Extremely distressing uh, evidence heard at the International Court of Justice. So what is the plan then from here on out? We've had three hours of oral hearings today. What happens tomorrow and thereafter, Shona? So the Israelis will um, have their defence. Um, I've spoken to spokespersons for the Israeli government who say that this is a shameful uh, attack by South Africa, that Israel is defending itself and that the excessive deaths are the fault of Hamas because Hamas fires from within civilian areas. So it denies anything in relation to the humanitarian crisis because, so for example, we'd heard today that uh, starvation is uh, majorly on the rise in, in Gaza, one of the worst places in the world for starvation and also on unnecessary and preventable deaths among children. But those things they haven't really discussed other than to say that this is all the fault of Hamas, not Israel, not the fact that Israel won't allow humanitarian access for food, fuel supply or water. So the Israelis will, will tomorrow likely um, use video footage of Hamas's terrorist attack on October 7th to reiterate its right to defend itself and has accused of South Africa of taking sides and politicising um, Israel and its right to defend itself. So this is, I understand, a very, very long and drawn out process should the case proceed. Mm. So what in the short term is the, the yeah. practical impact of, of South so Africa this is, in this case? So this is this has happened before in 2020. We had the Gambia taking the case against Myanmar and what it can ask for, because it will take, of course, years to decide whether or not a genocide has taken place. And in the, in, in the meantime, there is killing ongoing. So South Africa has called for provisional measures to for Israel to cease and suspend its military campaign to prevent serious mental and bodily harm to the Palestinians in Gaza, to uh, to stop bringing about the destruction of Palestinians as a group and also to uh, prevent genocide. So essentially tell forces who are in Gaza to stop uh, and to be more restrained or to moderate their actions. But but more importantly, the, the South Africans are looking for Israel to suspend its military campaign. But it's that's something that people would say that the court is likely, unlikely to call for, given the fact that Israel is constantly under attack by Hamas in southern Israel. 
Shona Murray, Europe correspondent with Euronews. Uh, Shona, thank you for talking us through all of that. Uh, Shona mentioned the situation in the Gaza Strip on a daily basis for people. Well, joining me now is Professor Nick Maynard, who's a leading consultant surgeon based in Oxford in the UK. And uh, Nick, it is a great pleasure to talk to you and thank you for taking the time. I understand you've just arrived back from Gaza. Is that right? Yes, thank you very much for asking me to come and talk on your show. Yes, I got back from Gaza um, late on Tuesday night. I left Gaza Monday morning and got back here late on Tuesday night. So how long were you there and what were you doing there? So I, on this occasion, I was in Gaza for two weeks. We arrived on um, Christmas Day um, and had two weeks working in Al-Aqsa Hospital. I've been to Gaza on many occasions in the last 15 years, both to teach and to carry out and teach surgery. Um and indeed, I was meant to be there in October carrying out cancer surgery, um, which was obviously cancelled when October the 7th happened. So the charity I go out with, Medical Aid for Palestinians, I, 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 I know them very well. And I said I, uh, I was very clear I wanted to be on the first t- medical team going out to Gaza. And this was indeed the first team that, that left the UK to go out and work in Gaza. And what did you experience over those two weeks, Nick? So um, many uh, horrific experiences. I mean, many. It was wonderful seeing old friends and 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 colleagues there, but just appalling to see the horrors that have been unfolding over the last three months. So I saw um, scenes in the hospital that I had never dreamt I would see in any hospital setting. Um, the most appalling injuries. Um, terrible burn injuries in often very small children, terrible blast injuries from the bombs um, affecting... I'm a, I'm an abdominal and, and thoracic surgeon, so I was operating predominantly on abdominal and chest injuries, but awful injuries involving the internal organs. But we saw in the emergency department, as I said, terrible burns, terrible uh, traumatic amputations from the bombs in kids, very small children sometimes, and um, horrible head injuries as well. So, so the, the the trauma we saw was like something I'd never dreamt I would see in my medical career. Had you all of the medical supplies that you would have expected to have, that you would have had on previous trips, or what? What's that situation like in Gaza? So, I mean, the short answer is no. I mean, the trips I've, the many trips I've been out there in the past, in what I call quiet times, although. It's never that quiet, and I don't think I've ever been to Gaza without witnessing aerial bombardment from the Israeli Defence Force. But in quiet times, the health service there is always very stretched. There are always a lack of resources, and there's always concern about whether you'll have the equipment to do all the surgery, and we often take equipment in with us. What we saw the last two weeks was on a different scale. Um, we did take some stuff in with us, but there were huge shortages. On some days, there was no morphine or strong pain relief to treat the patients coming in. So many children with horrible burns, traumatic amputations, no pain relief to give them. In the operating theatres, there was very basic equipment. So on one day, for example, we had no running water in the operating theatre. So we had to scrub up using just alcohol alcohol gel to clean our hands. 
on some one day there were no sterile drapes for the patients in theatres, so we had to make use of a variety of gowns to try and drape the patient in a sterile way. And the equipment, the, 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 the normal things we're used to, were very lacking. So we had to adapt a lot. What, what was that like for you and your colleagues dealing with that on, on a human level, on an emotional level, Nick, when you see children, as you describe them, awful abdominal injuries, um, yeah, burning shrapnel injuries, and they, they don't have the basic pain medication that you would give them in any other situation? Yeah, it was very tough emotionally. Um, it, it, I mean, I've been working as a cancer surgeon for a quarter of a century, and so I'm used to seeing very sick people. I'm used to people dying, um, but this was on a different scale, and it was very distressing. I think one, all of us there have learned over the years to compartmentalise our emotions so that when we're treating and dealing with very sick patients, you, 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 you get on with the job and you almost cut yourself off temporarily from the emotions. But I can tell you, once you've finished, it, th- those emotions flood back and we all found it very distressing. And there are some images which I think will never leave me at all. And, and does that happen, Nick, while you're still there? Or, or does it happen as a result of, kind of, of coming home and, and be, being bombarded by normality? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I think a lot of it, I, I don't know because I've never been through it before, but I'm imagining and I've been told, and we had a debrief when we left from a psychologist actually who talked a lot about this. Um, I think a lot of it will happen over the next few weeks. It's quite difficult already to talk to close friends and family in detail about what we saw and we're already finding even though we've been back a couple of days, that we're that 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 talking to people who are out there with us is 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 easier about what we saw than talking to close ones back here. I think it'll take a while to process it all, and I'm sure you know I've been talking to my wife a lot about it, and and it's difficult going into some of the detail. And I'm sure, and and not not to try and. Um, fulfil the role of, of the psychologist the therapist who you have been and will talk to as well but I'm, I'm sure on some level there's a, there's, there's a degree of guilt that, that you, yeah. you, you can turn around and, and come back to normality Yeah you're spot on and I was going to say that I think it's, it's the most overriding emotion at the moment is that of guilt that we've left and, um, and couldn't stay um, we were not allowed to go back to Al-Aqsa Hospital the last two days actually we weren't allowed in there because the Israelis um, said it was no longer in a deconflicted area. So there was, we witnessed on last Friday a, a missile attack on the intensive care unit of Al Aqsa Hospital. So it's no longer in a deconflicted area. No foreign doctors are allowed there. Um, and we've now left Gaza, leaving people behind who we know and love. So, yes, guilt is a very powerful emotion. And that's in many ways the dominant emotion. And mm. one can rationalize it and think, well, you know, you had no choice and everything, but we all feel guilt that we've left. And I will go back as soon as I can. I, I, I was about to ask you that question. Would you, you'd have no reservation, even despite the fact that you saw that, that missile attack on the ICU in those closing no, days, you'd go back? No reservation at all. I mean, the, the, I go out with this charity medical aid for Palestinians and they have a 20-strong a team on the ground in Gaza who are all local nationals, who I've known many of them for years. And they are beyond any doubt, the most inspirational group of people I've ever worked with, I've ever met. 
These are all people who've lost close family, close friends, but they are inspirational in looking after us, monitor, you know, making sure everything's as safe as possible. They, they closely monitor where we can go. So we feel, it's, it's odd to say this, but we feel relatively safe being looked after by these people, although, of course, it's relative because throughout the day and throughout the night, w there were bombs going off all the time. We, we never had much sleep at night because of the appalling noise from the bombs. We were woken up one night by a 20-minute-long street battle with machine guns going, which was less than a kilometre away. So that was all very shocking in many ways and very disturbing. But we felt relatively safe because of the people who we were with there. And that, they were a remarkable bunch of people. So I will go back and I'll go back in six to eight weeks' time and I'm desperately keen to go back. Well, we, we wish you well with it and we wish you luck uh, and good health, uh, Nick. Thanks a million for joining us, Professor Nick Maynard, consultant surgeon based in Oxford in the UK. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.